What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Today we have Andre Novikov. Welcome to the show, Andre. Thanks so much, John. It's really good to have you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's been an exciting time. We've been anticipating this. We've been talking online for a bit, and then uh, finally said, "Hey, we got a show going on. You know, I got it all set up. We might as well uh, meet up and get it done." I mean, yeah, it's good to be in person. Uh, you know, we've been uh, wearing these headphones uh, this whole time, so I'm glad that we're not uh, doing that right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> it's, it's refreshing, right? So with that being said, we're going to start off with the podcast the way I always start off the podcast, which is I'm going to ask you about who you are, what you do, and how you began. Sounds good. Well, um, I am a broker record, first of all, so I do run a brokerage, but I'm not actually an active agent and I don't have anyone working for me. What my focus is right now is technology, technology and real estate. Um, I've been licensed for 14 years and every time I get into uh, you know, working in real estate, I get sidetracked with the new technology, shiny things here, shiny things there. And I always wanted to learn, you know, what makes um, agents' lives easier, better, um, and uh, as a result, helping clients, uh, you know, along the way. Uh, so that's where I am. And that's, uh, that's what I focus on. Um, but, you know, I'd also... Uh, do have a brokerage so that I can get access to the data that's uh, so well protected by our boards. Yeah, which is kind of interesting that way. So with that being said, okay, so yeah, so you, you pretty much have access to the MLS and all that. You don't really practice the industry in, in, in terms of sales, right. but uh, you're uh, definitely an active member. And uh, yeah, so you, you, you focus on the technology side, which is great. Like, what's the name of your company? So we run it under uh, Get Keys Realty. That's kind of the overarching corporation. Um, and then uh, there's a couple of things, a couple of products that we call um, that we run underneath that. So uh, one of them uh, in Canada is known as uh, Home Equity Reports. Um, they provide um, essentially a one page report on the home value um, of um, a client's property. Uh, it's updated every single month and sent out uh, to the clients every single month. Um, and that's kind of our flagship um, uh, system that nurtures the clients and keeps agents top of mind so that they can continue to bring um, really good service to their clients. Which makes total sense and love that. Absolutely love that. Now, what was the inspiration for real estate? Let's be honest. When we grow up, <laughs> we don't really wake up and say, hmm, you know, um, I want to sell houses because I love the beautiful uh, drywall that we paint every year and or every three years or whatever. And, you know, it's just the sense of touch is so great. I can just imagine doing this all the time. I mean, so obviously that's not realistic. I mean, we grow up thinking we're going to be a fireman, a policeman, a doctor, lawyer, whatever. Sometimes we even think we're going to be the fire truck yep. and I let alone the person. Um, <laughs> so but then we grow up and get a sense of reality. And we get told growing up, I mean, I don't know about you, I got told uh, with the whole uh, go to school, get a good education so you can get a good job and then you can, um, you know, get out there and you can have a family, you can buy your house, get the white picket fence, then you can retire and, you know, have a pension and stuff like that. And, you know, I grew up to that kind of thing. And I, mean, I imagine that you did as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think um, I hit on all of those things that you listed. As an immigrant, um, I came here when I was uh, 14 years old. Uh, my family moved uh, to Canada, so I didn't have much choice. Um, so I did go to school. I did go to university. Um, I was going to get a job. 
which I did eventually. But my inspiration for real estate was uh, a little book that's called Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I think I'm not the only person that is no, going, no. you know, ever mentions this book. Uh, so Robert Kiyosaki was um, kind of my uh, gateway drug into real estate, and I figured, you know what, uh, this sounds like an interesting asset class. Um, it looks like uh, people tend to get wealthy, um, you know, participating in, uh, in this asset class. So why don't I, you know, actually uh, take his advice and uh, become more knowledgeable in the space. So right uh, as I was finishing up university, I ended up getting my real estate license. Um, and then um, I didn't use it for about 10 years uh, well, because I ended up uh, working at a bank. Um, so I went into finance and, uh, didn't really do much because the banks don't really allow you to do any deals. Uh, so it was mostly um, my family that uh, that benefited from my services at the time. And um, yeah, and uh, after 10 years, um, I stopped doing that and I went back to kind of the roots, uh, the real estate and something that uh, it truly excites me and uh, started looking into all the technology that uh, Canada doesn't have. Um, and uh, that, uh, that's what I'm doing now. And that's um, how I've been building the business uh, uh, since then. Right. Now, not to beat the horse or anything, or, you know, to harp on it, right? I mean, because you did a good thing. But uh, what a part of the uh, banking system really didn't work uh, for you where you just weren't going to do the uh, whole job thing? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very crucial point because um, in any organization, you're going to have some discretion in terms of, you know, who gets promoted, who gets paid what. Um, and for me, the big thing that didn't uh, play well uh, is that the amount of work or the quantity of the work that I did or how well I did that uh, job didn't necessarily translate into, um, you know, the rewards, either uh, monetary or um, in terms of promotions uh, at the bank. And uh, now what I'm realizing that, uh, you know, my business, I'm working for myself is much better aligned to that. Um, you know, having said that, now I have different kind of problems. Um, I eat where I kill. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have to think about that when I was at the bank. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point there. Right? <laughs> like it's, uh, when you have that steady check, it's, uh, easy to forget that there is other things cause the money just keeps coming. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't matter if uh, you're slacking off a little bit or, you know, you're working really hard. Um, you know, the paycheck is going to come, uh, you know, no matter what, that's not uh, the same, uh, when you're running a business. For sure. Now, every business, like every business, I mean, they all started small, some grew faster than others, but they all have struggles, you know, on the way up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they even have struggles on the way down. Mm -hmm. um, what was your biggest obstacle when you started and how did you resolve it? <laughs> uh, I think the biggest obstacle that I had was uh, figuring out what I'm going to do next. Uh, because I always had a boss in my prior uh, careers. I knew exactly what I had to do because I was told to do that, right? Um, when I'm running a business, essentially opportunities are limitless. But that gave me huge anxiety because what do you do? Do you do one thing? Do you do the other thing? Do you do the third thing? Do you do something that you haven't thought about? So that in itself, um, you know, really kind of um, uh, stopped me in my tracks. Um, and the way I ended up solving the issue is I ended up hiring a quasi uh, boss. I ended up hiring uh, a coach um, that ended up 
you know, coaching me through, um, you know, my thinking, um, helped me kind of um, outline what I needed to get done, uh, what my goals were, and what are the steps to um, to get to those goals. Makes total sense. I love that, man. I mean, like, I, I think sometimes coaching is like the key to uh, finding the answers. Right? I had a coach. I mean, like, from 2020, I was uh, wanting to level up my business, and um, part of the way I did that, I had to, you know, there was different options, and I thought, you know what? Rather than teeter-tottering and trying different things, I thought, I'm going to go to someone I trust and I like and trust, you know, sort of the way we do business in real estate is like you always deal with people you know, like, and trust. So there was somebody out there that uh, I found very motivating and, and, and I thought that their level of skill was going to able to help me get to that next level. So I hired a coach and it was absolutely phenomenal. It was a great experience and it's pretty much made me what I am today. Absolutely. Um, it's it makes a huge difference when you actually invest in yourself uh, and get yourself to that next level. Um, it's uh, it's uh, just an incredible opportunity, and they keep you keep you accountable, right? You can go back and say, "Hey, this was where I was, and here's where I am now," and you just build on that. Well, exactly. What uh, point did you like? Are you still working with the coach, or did you? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still work uh, with them. Uh, so we sw actually switched into. Uh, smaller sessions because my kind of problems have evolved slightly. So now we're doing half an hour sessions each week um, and we just fine tune things and, uh, you know, iterate on uh, the different um, kind of experiments that we're running. So um, this year has been all about trying new things, failing fast and then uh, learning from those mistakes. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. That's a good one. So with that being said now, now your business is, uh, oh, what was the name? Something keys. So get keys. That's right, get keys. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get simpler than that. No, it doesn't actually. <laughs> so why don't you explain the process? How, like, how does somebody uh, work with you, and like, you know, what goes on with that? Yeah. So we work specifically with real estate agents, um, and uh, think of it as a nurturing system for your past clients. Um, generally speaking, what you would do is uh, you would send marketing materials, something that um, you know keeps you top of mind, something that. Um, uh, the client will open and still remember that you are an expert agent. Uh, but that's really hard to do because most of the time, um, the information that you might be sending out, say market information, might not be relevant to their uh, specific situation. Uh, they might not be looking to sell for the next uh, you know, five years, or they might not think they will need to sell. So they just ignore that and um, you know, your marketing material doesn't really have that same impact. Now, what we found is that one thing that everybody uh, wants to know about is how much money they have, right? People check, uh, you know, their bank accounts, they check their stocks, they check their Bitcoin if they have any, maybe not right now, but um, so, but there hasn't been a solution that actually shows them how much money they have in their home. Not in an easy way anyway. You can look at your mortgage statement, but it doesn't actually tell you how much uh, money is in your house. So that's what we've done. Uh, we've made it um, really simple to build these uh, reports that are white labeled to the agent um, and um, send them out to the client automatically every single month. That's, uh, that's essentially how that works. So now you said that uh, you know, their home value is not readily available. Um, can you get into that? I mean, why why wouldn't it be readily available? I mean, I know the answer because I'm in the business, but I want more for the viewers trying to figure that out. Yeah, so there's probably a few um, 
kind of ways to answer that. One, in Canada, data is very hard to come by. Um, it's very protected uh, by the boards. Um, and um, I'm not going to get into you know the politics of why that is. Uh, you'll probably have more information on that. But essentially, um, in US, as a comparison, everything is public for the better or the worse. Um, so their pricing algorithms are just phenomenal. You can price literally anything. In Canada, that doesn't happen. Um, the other thing is, um, um, you know, if you look at you know some websites, they might give you a broad range, uh, and the range is very broad because we don't have that data. Uh, so there are some you know solutions, but they're not going to tell you, okay, this is where the value is. And then the third part is, no algorithm is ever going to be um, right on the money because there's so many things that go into pricing a, a property. You might have done uh, renovations. You might have done, uh, you know, additions. Uh, you could have a tenant that completely, uh, you know, demolish your property. So there are many things that um, are uh, not captured electronically that still affect the value. So you still need someone to look at the valuation and say, yeah, does this make sense? Does this not make sense? And make changes as you go through, um, you know, the ownership period. Right, which I, I can understand that part, except. How does your software, like that? That's the question. How does your software differ, right? Like, because like you say, you can go on the internet, and anyone can go on the internet. You can get a broad range. But how are you able to get very specific? Yeah, great question. Do um, the big kind of thing to realize: we're not a valuations company. We're not being used by, um, you know, appraisers, for example. We're not being used um, by, you know, mortgage brokers to figure out whether, you know, that house is worth something. We have a, a simple algorithm that it will use the market data and come up with um, an initial estimate. But then what we do is we bring in the agent that has dealt with that property, that has sold that property to the client, um, and then we use their expertise to fine tune that value. And that's super easy to do. We show them what we think the property is worth. And then the agent is able to say, you know what? I think it's actually worth 20,000 more or 50,000 more. We use that adjustment. We lock it in. And then going forward, the valuation is going to be super accurate. Right. So the agent is somewhat still involved in this. Yes, absolutely. So which brings up the next question, what's the difference between uh, using your software and the agents just going out and doing a market evaluation on their own and then sending it to your clients? It's really time. It's You're going to spend a lot of time uh, sending these reports and adjusting them and creating the actual templates um, and sending them to your clients uh, versus using something that uh, we can provide where you can say, does this value look too high or too low? Adjust it and off it goes. You don't have to think about uh, um, anything that goes behind the scenes to update the reports. Uh, because again, if, you, um, if you've if you been in the business for say five years, you probably have at least you know 100 clients that have bought properties with you. Um, are you gonna be sitting there every month uh, updating 100 reports? Probably not. That's not a good use of your time. Your clients will suffer because you're spending uh, time updating these reports. Uh, and we do that for you. Right. With that being said, though, I, I that part I understand. But I'm trying to figure out, like the part I'm kind of lost on, mm -hmm. is that uh, we're still involved in it somehow. Because like you said, to get that accurate number, you still need it. So don't we have to do the research work as well anyways? So you do that uh, when you're initially setting up the report. So you say, you want, I want to send this out to 
uh, particular client. You create the report, you look at the valuation, you fine tune it going forward, it's going to be very accurate. But you do have to do some initial work in that. Um, but if you uh, think about all the uh, work that you put in to communicate with that client anyway, um, whether you're sending you know, CMAs once a year already, you're doing that work already, right? All you have to do is take that number and put that uh, into our report, and then um, you're essentially free from doing that. Right. So, okay. Just to be, just to be clear. So if I'm understanding this right, what it is, is that uh, you're going to do an initial setup and this is how I'm picturing it in my head and how it's going. You're going to get that initial number from us. We're going to do our initial work the first time. Then I'm assuming that your software basically remembers the area and then knows the stats. Like for example, if you're Mississauga and knows that Mississauga went up just say 5%. So it's going to know that initial number it's going to take the new yearly update of 5% and add it to the original number and carry forward. Exactly. That is, uh, that's exactly what it does. Um, the interesting thing is, and uh, this is what we found from sending uh, over 3,000 reports every month, um, is that even if a report goes out uh, incorrectly, say it has completely wrong information, and uh, again, we don't want to tell this to the client, but uh, agents will actually appreciate this because Clients want this report to show correct numbers. Of so course. if you do send something out and it looks completely off, the client will actually reach out back to you and say, hey, you know, something went wrong here. Can you take a look? You say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do that analysis. But that creates that opportunity for the client to reach out to you. And isn't that the best thing ever when an actual client reaches out to you to talk about real estate? That's really what you want at the end of the day. Yeah, that I can understand. But I mean, I, you'd hope that they're going to call you up <laughs> for something other than the fact that you got your numbers wrong. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, that doesn't happen often. But, um, you know, there are uh, situations where, um, you know, things don't look right or someone's done a massive renovations. They've added a kitchen, but they forgot to tell you about it. Right. And that's a great conversation to have. And, you you know, they come to you and they say, hey, we've put in, you know, two hundred thousand dollars worth of upgrades. You say, great. Let's talk about it. Tell me what you've done. Let's let's look at the report. Let's update those valuations. Um, and that's a great thing to say because then you can say, well, are you are you looking to uh, sell this house or are you looking to stay there for another, um, you know, five years or what? Uh, that's just a, another touch point with your client, and that's that's what you want as a real estate agent. Right. So just to summarize, basically, your software out there is be able is to be able to provide data and use that data to keep touch points with your clients. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. We find that um, on average, 20% of your past clients will use a different agent. And that usually happens because uh, there haven't been any meaningful touch points uh, since the last time that they've dealt with you. And um, that's uh, we see that uh, stats play out um, across the board. Um, and um, you know, once you've been in the business for you know a couple of years, that's, 20% is a sizable chunk of your commission. Absolutely. Now, 20% is being very modest because uh, some of the, stat the stats show that 75% of the people don't use the same agent twice. I hope that's not the case with you. Yeah, I hope not too. <laughs> I, I haven't uh, had that problem yet. I mean, not to say that I have 100% batting range, but it's not. And that's, you know, uh, it's very rare 
like it, it doesn't happen. 100% batting rate and doesn't happen. And there are many reasons for that because um, you're not going to be the real estate agent for every single person, every single situation. Um, and uh, that's why we do so many referrals, right? You find someone else that could do a better job or knows you know a specific area better, um, and you're not going to have 100% uh, batting average because of that. So that's not a bad thing. No, no, it isn't actually. It's not at all. So yeah, I kind of get that. That that's kind of a. I gotta admit, it's kind of clever, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's interesting. Like, um, now, how does this? Uh, like, what does the cost look like? Like, how does how does how does it work out? Because I mean, I, I don't think you do this for free. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes, right, so where where does that uh, tie in? Yeah. So uh, the pricing is very simple. It's. Um, Based on the annual subscription, it's uh, $600 plus applicable taxes. Uh, we work across Canada, um, so um, depends on which uh, province you're in or territory. Uh, we are able to value uh, properties essentially anywhere in Canada. Um, and um, that's uh, $600 for the full year covers um, any um, kind of customizations to your reports. You're able to customize with your logos, your colors. Um, it's very flexible. We can customize the text that goes on to it. Um, it covers uh, all the tax supports. So if you have any issues, you forget how to use it, you need some sort of help, um, you know, we take care of that as well. Um, and um, um, yeah, uh, reports are updated every single month. So you don't have to worry about that. And uh, our software actually sends them out from your email so we're not we don't get in, in the middle of the communication so the client always thinks that uh, it's coming directly from you uh, in the meantime we do all the work on the back end and uh, all you have to do is field the in, incoming inquiries makes sense now with that being said right like obviously we said like we have a stat that not every agent uh you know not every customer comes back to the original agent now, customer retention is a major thing with every business, regardless whether you're in real estate, whether uh, you're in marketing, whether you're in brand retail, restaurants, it doesn't matter. Retention is a major, major thing. And obviously, getting back your original client, like servicing the same client on a, uh, on a repeat business, that's the, that's the best return you can have because you spend the least on getting it. It doesn't mean you spend zero dollars but new acquisition is obviously a lot higher than you know retention but we like you said we do lose some and what would your what would your retention rate be percentage wise like sorry my personal retention rate for your business <laughs> um so we have only been in the business for just over a year um it's uh, it's completely brand new and you know great thing is uh, we don't really have any competitors uh in canada we do have competitors in US. Um, so um, most of the time, uh, you know, we haven't actually had a full year of, uh, of subscriptions, uh, but uh, our retention is uh, about 80%. Uh, the reason for the 20% is uh, there's always going to be people that sign up because it's, hey, you know, that sounds like an interesting idea um, and, you know, a new technology, but they don't end up putting in the initial work so that then the system takes over and does the work for them. So um, if you don't add any clients to the system, it's not gonna do anything for you. But that's just like with any technology. If you don't actually use the technology, it's not going to uh, give you any of uh, rewards. Now, the clients that are 
uh, using our system. They're loving it because now they have meaningful conversations with their clients. Um, they have people calling them, asking about these reports. Uh, and uh, it creates this you know, communication back and forth that they would otherwise have because uh, let's get honest, uh, an email that says, hey, have you cleaned uh, your gutters lately? Just doesn't you know, spark the same communication as something that, hey, this is the value of your house. No, of course not. You're absolutely right about that. And even with usage, it goes back to like the whole uh, agent thing, you know, like what type of CRM do you use or which CRM do you use? And it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like you're trying to find ways to not put in the work, right? And that doesn't apply to everybody, but there's a good amount of people that are mm -hmm. scrolling around that way. So yeah, uh, again, you have to put in the time, you have to put in the effort for things to work out. So, you know, great point there. Like what type of... Uh, what can you see like future wise? I know nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can predict. Um, but every business out there has some form of a hurdle. Mm -hmm. So is there any kind of hurdles that you can see coming? Like that, that won't be like, you know, because again, hurdles can come and can blindside you if you don't expect it. But yes. there's some hurdles that you can sort of see that like things are working now, but I can see something coming up and I can see this being a problem in the future and I should prepare for it now. Is right. there any of those that you have currently? Right. Um, so as I mentioned, currently in Canada, we don't have any competitors, which is a great thing. Uh, and a curse at the same time, because um, not that, um, you know, once explained and once uh, we actually, you know, tell you what we do, um, it's a great product. But a lot of people don't know what we do. They haven't seen it before. Um, in U.S., we have, um, you know, uh, HomeBot. And that's uh, that's a system that's used uh, essentially by every single real estate agent in the uh, United States for the same reasons. It sends out home valuations. Uh, HomeBot doesn't work in Canada. Uh, so generally speaking, they don't advertise. They don't tell you what we do because you can't use it. Um, so uh, for me, the biggest hurdle or the biggest challenge going forward is that if someone does decide to step into the space, uh, or if there's a, a new company that does decide to uh, to roll out uh, that's something similar, um, you know, then we're going to have competition. But you know, at the end of the day, competition makes uh, you know products better. So, um, am I worried about it? Yes, but uh, not so much to you know really uh, lose any sleep over it. Yeah, which makes sense. At the end of the day, if you're worried about what could happen in the future and that's all you're focused on, you're neglecting clients. So. That makes sense, right? You got to deal with it and everybody's got to deal with it. So that's, I, I love that answer. That, that's a good point. I mean, I, I love how you know the answer about the, you know, like who who your competitors are in the States, right? Because I, I actually heard of that company before. I didn't know what they do, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Right. So that, that makes sense, right? Like, And it's weird that we don't like, it's like we're behind. I, absolutely. And uh, to be honest, and this is a scary thing, but it's, uh, Canada is about five years lagging uh, anything that's happening in U.S. technology wise uh, and especially in real estate. Um, and it's exciting for me because I can see what's going to be happening uh, in real estate and what's what's exciting uh, that I can you know utilize in my business and offer uh, to my uh, real estate agent clients. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's scary because as a whole, we're just so uh, so far behind. Yeah. Now I'm going to go off on a uh, tangent, a bit of, you know, something a little off from your business. But I think it's kind of relevant from where we've gone. What do you think about, about all these iBuyers and stuff like that? Because let, let's face it, we don't have them in Canada, or at least we're not calling them iBuyers. 
So yeah, so what's your perspective on that? Um, iBuyers um, is an interesting business. Um, you know, it was really popular in US. Uh, obviously, Zillow uh, is kind of the uh, the big one that everyone likes to talk about uh, because they did fail in a very spectacular way. Uh, and it's really interesting because, um, you know, speaking to some of the agents um, in US that uh, did experience, um, you know, that are buying, you know, I guess, solution when they were selling their clients' homes. And it seemed like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, they would, so the agent would list the property, say, at 340. Um, you know, someone would come in at, you know, 300 with an offer. Um, it would sit on the markets for, say, you know, two months. And then Zillow would come in and say, okay, 360. And you're like, done there you go <laughs> so it was uh, it was really bizarre because it didn't it, it actually did not make sense and i think the reason why is uh, because they were projecting real estate to just keep going up every single time and obviously you know just like with any asset that's not true um there will be dips and uh, and dives so um you know that didn't work out too well now here's the thing um i buying solution will appeal to some buyers um, probably not everyone, uh, because again, uh, money rules the world, and I buying um, the service fee is so thick that it a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Um, and the reason why it's so expensive is because they want to protect their downside. They don't want to buy something that's then going to lose in value and then um, essentially make them go out of business, unless you're Zillow and you're just you know you don't care about that. But um, I don't think it's going to be uh, you know uh, a huge uh, challenge for real estate agents. I think it's going to be something that will attract a specific kind of um, uh, clientele. But um, I don't think uh, real estate agents will necessarily be um, you know losing too many of their clients uh, to these kind of companies. No, I kind of agree with you here, and this is the thing, right? Now, there's no denying that the uh, real estate infrastructure has changed and will continue to change over the years and things will be different. But I think there's always going to be a place for the agent where that place is may be uh, determined on where we are in the market at that time. But some people just like the full service. I mean, like you can teach someone how to sell their own home and, and do it without an agent, but 99% of the people will not do it. They will still call the agent, which is in a way why, uh, you know, in terms of marketing, why you can go on as an agent and pretty much teach everything I know to somebody and, and put out all the information online and my phone will ring more instead of less. Absolutely. Because people just don't want to do it. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And it's always that hesitation of what if and people second guess themselves. And as a, uh, as a result of that, that's why they will reach out. But there is also absolutely uh, real value in dealing with someone that is highly experienced, that someone that knows the market inside out, that is in the market and is actually transacting uh, in the market. Because um, if you're not active, you might not know that, hey, there haven't been any showings lately. Um, hey, maybe this is the top of the market. Maybe you shouldn't push your buyer to you know, go into a bidding war and overpay right now. Um, and, um, you know, so it does, uh, it absolutely pays to work with someone that is experienced, that is active. 
Um, and to have that kind of personal approach, someone that will understand your challenges, that someone that will understand, you know, where you are in, uh, you know, your process, where you are in life, right? Because again, we're dealing with uh, human beings. This is not just, uh, you know, one-off transactions. I absolutely agree with you on that. So with that being said, I'm going to ask you my uh, favorite uh, near end of show question, which is, how do you know you've had a successful day? Well, today is a successful day because I got to be part of uh, your podcast. Um, my successful day uh, generally um, looks like I've had a number of meetings. I've talked to different agents um, and I spread the word about, uh, you know, my business and my services. Um, and that's uh, that's all I can do. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's having those one on one conversations with uh, as many people as possible. All right. Last question before we go into what I call the lightning round, which is just a bunch of fun questions uh, to, get more know of, to get to know you more on a personal level. For sure. So last question before we get to the lightning round is how do people find you? So um, obviously on the, on the internet, uh, getkeys.ca is uh, my main website. Uh, and uh, homeequity.watch is uh, the website for the uh, for the reports. Fantastic, man. That was absolutely awesome. So going into the lightning round, the first question I get into is always about food, okay. which is what is your favorite food and why? Oh, this is, uh, this is super easy. I'm going to turn around here and uh, I'm going to show you uh, what this is. Fish? No, that's sushi. Sushi. Oh, <laughs> I should have got that one. That's awesome. There we go. I'll always carry it with me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sushi is a good one. What is yours? Mine will. Hmm. Mine, mine. You know what? I have to pick something. I have to say chicken. Chicken. Okay. Um, it's not that I go around looking for chicken, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that it's almost everything I have is with chicken. Have you done a podcast where you order hot wings and then you essentially, you know, try and see uh, if you can keep a straight face while uh, while doing an interview? No, I haven't. But that's an interesting I, one. I think that would be fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, I think I would be uh, I would definitely need someone at the controls. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I don't uh, think you can uh, do this mastery. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm OCD. So it's like like even if I touch one piece of food. I could not touch the equipment again, mm. not until I wash my hands. Oh. Obsessive compulsive, like even the littlest thing, like it's so bad that if I were to eat and then touch the control, this would be the last time I'd use it. I'd throw it out. <laughs> so it's oh, like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm, I'm like that in the kitchen. Every time I touch a single food, I have to wash my hands. And then yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like that as well. Absolutely. That's exactly how I am. <laughs> I, 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 I've always been like that since I was a kid. Yeah. Right. Like I think it started off with I uh, went out with uh, family, and when I went out with family and all that, I think we went somewhere where we had one of those uh, those uh, candies covered with uh, like some syrup or whatever and all that. And with that being said, I, my hands were all sticky, and I think I had to walk around with sticky hand. And ever since uh, that, I I won't eat anything sticky or anything or touch anything unless I'm able to wash my hands. Uh, nothing worse than sticky hands. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, terrible. But uh, <laughs> anyways, with that being said, what is your favorite vacation spot? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I do love to travel and uh, me and my wife usually uh, go through kind of different places and try new experiences. Um, it has to be a spot that um, we can do many different things without kind of staying put in one space because we just uh, get super, um, super antsy. Um, we loved Croatia. That was the last, uh, you know, travel spot that we've been to. Um, absolutely underrated. Uh, it is, um, it's got amazing food, amazing seafood, um, and uh, just um, amazing, amazing uh, weather. Um, and the islands, just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I got to put that on my bucket list. You have to. You have to. For sure. So, favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? Well, um, I do love your podcast, and that's how I kind of got to know you. Um, I do listen to quite a, quite a number of podcasts. Um, one of uh, my kind of global favorites is um, How I Built This by uh, Guy Raz. Oh, I've listened to that podcast. The minute you said How I, and I, I, I finished it in my head. I already knew. You know there what I mean? <laughs> there we go. So that one, uh, that one is a staple. I love listening um, how people have built their businesses uh, just because it's so relatable. It's, uh, it's awesome to hear about uh, what kind of challenges people have had uh, and, um, you know, how they've, um, you know, come to resolve them. Uh, and uh, it's, it's good to know that you're not the only one out there fighting the battle. That's true. And favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, um, I really do like the 1985 by George Orwell, just uh, as a, uh, you know, a, a different non-business book, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We already talked about my other one, uh, The Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Before, yeah, before we get into the next question, I'm going to bring that up, The Rich Dad Poor Dad one. Now, his concept, like the whole concept that he has is that you buy single family homes and you rent them out one by one. Now, where I'm going with this is that personally, Yes, I believe you buy a single-family home to start off with because no one's going to be able to go out there and buy a 48-unit building for $14 million and have that as their very first loan. That's just not possible or very unlikely. But with that being said, I personally don't believe in the single-family home as your only investment. And I don't believe you just keep buying one after the other after the other. I believe you buy your single-family home, then you get into a duplex, then a fourplex, then a sixplex, and you just keep building until eventually you get the 48 you know, units, 300 units, stuff like that. That's, that's my personal opinion. I think that's the safest route because I think the danger with a single-family home is that uh, you're going to have one door, one rent. If that person stops paying rent, then you're on the hook for the mortgage. And if you're paying the, you know, the mortgage on your own home that you live in, you're going to end up paying two mortgages. And more than likely, that's going to be very hard to do. So I believe the, in multiple doors and uh, then it mitigates the uh, risk out there. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of investing that, you know, in terms of like, what do you think of single family homes and stuff? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you kind of, uh, you know, nailed the problem on its head is it's hard to get into the bigger units, um, you know, right off the bat, you do have to start somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, generally it is a single uh, family homes without one door. Uh, if you're lucky, it could be a duplex and, uh, you know, you can split uh, 
um, you know, and get more income out of it. Now, uh, shameless plug over here, uh, our reports are actually able to contain several uh, properties on them. And the reason why that's really cool, especially for um, an agent that works with um, investors, is that it shows you uh, your real estate net worth, but it also shows you the equity built up in all the properties. So as you start with one property and you say, you know what, it's gone, uh, in, uh, gone up in value over time, um, right there on the report, it tells you um, an approximate amount of money that you can actually refinance and then buy another property. So I totally agree with you. Um, you you have to start somewhere and generally speaking is going to be the cheapest option. But as your portfolio grows and prices increase, uh, you should be looking to refinance that um, and then buy bigger and you know duplexes, for example, so that you do diversify. And um, the other idea is that um, people tend to buy in the same area. Yes. You can diversify that as well, right? You can uh, buy remotely, you can buy in more remote areas and still have people manage it for you. So, you know, um, I try to kind of look at um, how you can use technology to make your life easier and uh, deleverage the risk. That's one of the things that you can do is you can have remote investments um, essentially anywhere you want. I love that answer. With that being said, now I'm going to get to my final question, which is going to be if you had 48 hours and you had unlimited amount of money that you could do anything you want with, the only catch is that in 48 hours, which you haven't spent, you lose, but you keep what you spent, whether or whatever it is. <laughs> what would you do with that money? Um, well, here's the thing. Even if I didn't get to keep what I spent and I had a minute, unlimited amount of money, I would donate it. Um, at that point, you know, if money is not, uh, not an answer, you have to help other people, right? It's, uh, it's uh, the most uh, logical thing to do. Well, that's the thing, right? Donating, you know, again, that's still spending. Because it left your pocket. So that was, yeah. So I, I was enough. curious what you would do with the money. And that's the thing. You know, if I had so much, uh, and even if I didn't get to uh, keep it, uh, I would probably uh, make a huge donation. I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because, <laughs> yeah, cause that, that's why. The reason I I, I I bring it up that way is because, uh, you know, like somebody, you know, if you ask somebody and say, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? Oh, I'd buy my house. I would, buy, you know, put away, uh, you know, money for this. I would invest money into that. I'd buy my car and whatever. And, you know, everyone says that. But do you know how many people I know that comes up and has the money? Like, I know somebody went out there and, you know, seriously speaking, they went out there and they started a business and the purpose of their business and whatever it is that they wanted to go out there and be able to say, earn enough money to save for their Lamborghini or Ferrari. Now they got to that point where they got that Ferrari, they got or they got the money for that Ferrari. And then when you ask the person, you're gonna buy the Ferrari? His answer was no, I don't really want it anymore. <laughs> right? Because I think sometimes when you think something's impossible, you have this facade of what you want. Yeah. But then when the reality sets in, you pick make different choices. Which yeah. is why I said, you know, you're gonna lose the money. What would you do with it? Like like what you don't spend. And then I find that people get more of an honest answer of what they really want. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, just because I was uh, brought up by immigrant parents, uh, money was uh, scarce. Um, you know, I don't really think about, you know, uh, making it 
you know, a big splurge on, uh, you know, uh, buying a car or, or something fancy um, that, you know, shows status of uh, or whatnot. Um, I'm all about uh, having experiences. So travel obviously is a big thing. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, if, you know, we do spend, um, you know, quite a bit on uh, on traveling. But um, again, uh, I'm not I'm not super huge on, uh, you know, flashy things. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, do resonate with that. And but there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, actually spending your money if you if you earned it and you are actually going to have uh, fun with uh, a Lamborghini. Why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get your point there, too. So with that being said, Andre, I want to say thank you very much for being on the show, man. It's been awesome. Uh, awesome being here. Yeah, I agree, man. We'll definitely have to do it again in the future. See what, you know, how things have, uh, you know, changed for you with the business and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We're close by. So I'm happy to uh, swing, uh, swing by and have the conversation. Awesome. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more episodes, subscribe to the link below.